0: Welcome to the official OCPHA podcast journey series where we interview our local pharmacy professionals about their journey into their specialized fields. And today we'll be speaking with our special guest, Dr. Melissa Durham, on her journey into her current field today. And uh, thank you again for being on the show, Melissa. How are you doing today?
1: I'm good, Tony. Thanks so much for having me. This was fun.
0: Yeah, of course. I, I guess for our listeners, can you tell them a little bit more about yourself and I guess what you currently do?
1: Yeah, sure. So I went to, let me, how far should we go back? I went to Long Beach State for my undergraduate degree. I'm from California. And then for pharmacy school, I went to USC. I graduated in 2007 with my PharmD. And then after that, I pursued my PGY-1 residency in community pharmacy practice under the mentorship of Jess Goad and Edith Merzian. And then after I finished my residency, I was really lucky to be able to stay on at USC School of Pharmacy as faculty, which I've been in various positions within the school as a faculty member since 2008. And right around the time when I was completing my residency, we had the opportunity at the School of Pharmacy to collaborate with the USC Pain Center to start a pharmacist-run pain medication management clinic. And so when I finished my residency, they were like, okay, Melissa, here you go. You're doing it. So then all of a sudden I was a pain management pharmacist and I had to, in a way, just learn on the job, train myself, teach myself, learn from the physicians I worked with. And I've been a clinical pharmacist in pain management, specifically chronic non-oncologic pain for the past 11 years or so.
0: Okay, wow. So so I guess just going back a little bit before you started pharmacy school, was there like a, a specific reason why you decided to go to the path of pharmacy?
1: Yeah. So when I was in high school, actually, I'm not to date myself too much, but it was in the mid 90s. And that was when there was a shortage of pharmacists that was pretty widely advertised. And I had always been pretty decent at math and science. And so my parents encouraged me, like, oh, you should think about pharmacy and it's a really good career. And I was always sort of on the fence between pharmacy and medicine because I felt like I could leverage my, you know, skills in math and science. And, you know, through exploring the different health professions through undergrad, I found that pharmacy was just a really good fit for me. I have, you know, I have a pretty good passion for education, which I have realized over the years and i feel like you know pharmacy has allowed me to sort of combine those two my interpersonal skills that i find are a strength of mine along with clinical skills that we gained in school and so on so that's why i always thought pharmacy was a really good fit and i'm happy that i figured it out and even more i'm even more happy that i found academia as well so that's kind of what led me into the field and i'm pretty i'm pretty grateful that things ended up the way that they did
0: Oh, that's really good. So so you said that you're a pain management pharmacist now. And I, I was kind of wondering if how did the residency program that you were part of, how did it prepare you in terms of like skills and whatnot to, to prepare you for what you are currently doing?
1: Yes. Yeah, so I did a community pharmacy practice residency. And not a lot of people really understand what that is. I think that when I first heard about it as a pharmacy student. I was like, well, like, why do you need to do a residency in community pharmacy? That doesn't make any sense to me because I was already working in community pharmacy and I didn't quite grasp or understand like why someone would need more training in that area. I was being really not very nice about it at the time. But what I came to understand and learn through my amazing mentors is that additional training in community pharmacy actually helped The residents who complete our program go out into community pharmacy practice and implement patient care programs in community pharmacies that we traditionally see in clinical type sites, in clinics and so on. So that's really the focus of the residency program here at USC is bringing patient care programs to the community pharmacy and therefore advancing our profession. So, my residency was amazing. It was a combination of traditional AM care experience mixed with community pharmacy experience. USC owns and operates several community pharmacies. And then every resident starts their own patient care program. And pain management was one that I worked on during my residency. And then, in addition to that, being at an academic center, I was exposed to a variety of teaching opportunities, research opportunities. And so my residency was a really amazing, transformative year that changed how I thought about pharmacy, how I thought about community pharmacy, how I thought about advocating for the profession, you know, changed my outlook on all of those things forever and opened up doors for me to get into the position in academia that I am today, as well as my clinical practice in pain management. I'd also like to add that I am still a practicing community pharmacist. I mean, it is per diem, but I've never not worked community pharmacy. I grew up in community pharmacy. I started out as a technician, in undergrad, and I have always worked community. And it's definitely a big passion of mine. And I I really, really love it. So it's been an interesting journey, too, because in my pain management clinic, I'm a prescriber. And then obviously in the community pharmacy, I work in a dispensing role. And so it's it's an interesting perspective that I have, you know, working in both of those settings and doing both of those roles frequently and seeing how, you know, the challenges between the two intersect.
0: Awesome. Awesome. So pain management is your specialty. And I was curious about how that kind of plays into the whole opioid crisis that the US is facing right now. And um, I guess, are people roping you in to like speak about that?
1: So, in my role as a pharmacist specializing in pain management, primarily what I've been doing to counteract the opioid crisis is primarily in education of other health professionals in risk reduction harm reduction, proper prescribing of opioids, tapering and weaning of opioids, and using non-opioid therapy. That's really where my largest impact has been. I mean, obviously in my own clinical practice, I work in a specialty clinic and we, we do things pretty on the level of everything you're supposed to do when you're using opioids. We actually use, out of all the providers in our health system, the pain center uses the least amount of opioids. So taking that sort of knowledge and uh, the knowledge about the best practices in pain management and using it to educate maybe primary care providers, other pharmacists, internists who don't have the same background in proper opioid management and prescribing, that's sort of the biggest effort that I've put into regarding the opioid crisis. And then that's sort of like on the risk reduction side, but then also on the harm reduction side, I've done various trainings for pharmacists and furnishing the I've been very vocal about how we need to really push that in our community pharmacies and then educating prescribers too. I mean, they have the new law now where they have to talk about it with their patients who are receiving opioids that meet certain criteria. So a large part of what I do is on the education side on risk reduction and, and, and harm reduction. And it's been really interesting to see over the years, just like, what I've been asked to speak about and how it's changed. So it started out in like 2008, roughly, when I started in this area. And I would teach people how to use opioids. You know, you do the long acting for maintenance. You do the short acting for breakthrough. I talk about equianalgesic dosing, et cetera. It was those types of sessions. And then slowly over time, it morphs into, okay, how do you use opioids safely? <laughs> what are the universal precautions you have to do? And then it changed into how do you use any non-opioid therapies? How do you taper people off of opioids and benzodiazepines? You know, what other options are there that are more creative? How do we do harm reduction? So as the opioid crisis has emerged in our country, definitely my CV reflects those areas of focus. So I, I do a lot on the front end in prescribing practices. And so, but now, you know, the data shows that prescribing rates have gone down because of a lot of these educational efforts and a lot of the push from regulatory bodies to curb opioid prescribing. And so the work now really needs to be done on the harm reduction side and getting people the treatment for the opioid use disorders that have emerged over the last couple decades.
0: It's really interesting how what you've been doing kind of has been changing and evolving with what's going on in the United States too. And I guess speaking about sessions that you provide, like you were talking about how you provide different sessions and education. In the upcoming Western Pharmacy Exchange, which is hosted by the California Pharmacy Association, from my understanding, you'll be presenting there as well. Can you tell us a little bit more about what's going to be happening there?
1: Yeah, so on Friday, April twelfth, in collaboration with my colleague, Dr. Tanya Gregorian from Chapman University, and my current resident, Dr. Michelle Hormozian, we're going to be presenting a session on tapering benzodiazepines and opioids, again, that example of how the conversation has changed over time. We're going to give some really practical tools on how to go about it and how to engage with patients and prescribers in conversations around tapering these medications so that's the session I have. I have only one session this year. Last year, I had a few, including the keynote. But it's it's going to be a really interesting, engaging session. And I'm excited about it.
0: Awesome. Awesome. So so for students, if there are any students or even other pharmacists who want to become like a pain management specialist like you or go into something in the community side where they specialize, do you have any advice for them?
1: Yeah. So definitely residency training. First of all, you know, your D followed by a PGY-1, either acute care or ambulatory care or general, you know, it doesn't necessarily matter. There are some pretty great PGY-2 programs in pain management that are emerging now, but you don't necessarily have to have a PGY-2. You could just, you know, be doing your PGY-1 residency and identify a need for establishing a pain management program. I mean, this this is actually a huge need in in many, many systems to have proper protocols and guidelines within the system or, or exciting a new use of technology, you know, incorporated into the EMR. So, Students who are thinking about pursuing a residency or current residents should look for opportunities within their already existing training program to help make an impact on that system. And they might just even end up creating a job for themselves because it is a huge area of need. And if not, then, you know, looking into a PGY-2 with a specific focus in pain management is an option as well.
0: Awesome. Thank you for that advice. And if anyone would like to contact you or if they had any more questions for you, what's the best way that they can find you?
1: Well, my email address is M like Melissa and my last name Durham, D-U-R-H-A-M at USC I'm also very visible on LinkedIn. Just search me on LinkedIn and shoot me a message. And you can find me pretty easily on the USC School of Pharmacy faculty directory as well. So I'm out there. In addition, I have my own website, www.thepainpharmacist.com.
0: Awesome. So I'll be putting all of that information in the show notes so that the listeners can easily uh, just link over to it. To be respectful of your time, I'd like to thank you again for taking some time out of your busy day to be on the podcast. And I'm sure our listeners have learned a lot about your journey.
1: Oh, great. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it.
0: Yeah, of course. And uh, all right, if you guys like this episode, please rate us on iTunes, Google, Stitcher, or any of your other favorite podcasting services. You can also find out more about our organization by visiting ocpj.org or by following us on social media through Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. But until next time, OCPHA signing off, reminding you to get determined, get inspired.